Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom in the Word. We're so glad that you're joining us today. This is Tune Up Tuesday, and we'll be continuing on in our study of the book of Hebrews. Today, we'll be looking at Hebrews 9, verses 6 to 10. We're going to begin by reading this passage together today. Hebrews 9, beginning in verse number 6, the Bible says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered him for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now, our writer here in the book of Hebrews has been talking a little bit about uh, the priesthood. He's been talking about Melchizedek. He's been talking about a high priest, Jesus, our high priest. Uh, And he's been also contrasting an old covenant and a new covenant. That is, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. So uh, this all is kind Kind of fitting together in Hebrews 8 and 9. He contrasts the old covenant, the new covenant, the old priesthood and the new priesthood, the old high priest and our new high priest. And now as he comes to chapter 9, he focuses on the particular uh, structure of the tabernacle. The tabernacle, of course, was the portable center of worship for the Jews, and it was a very important place for them as they continued to worship God as they moved into the promised land. Uh, Their sojourn in the um, land of, uh, in the wilderness was 40 years, and then moving on into uh, the conquering the land. This particular structure, the tabernacle, was extremely important to them as far as their worship, and God had set up some very specific things. Now, last week, we spent some time in verses 1 to 5 talking about the furniture, the furnishings of the tabernacle. We talked a little bit about uh, the things that he mentions here, uh, the, the the services that took place, uh, the specific things in that in that first place. Remember, when you entered into the tabernacle, you entered into that first smaller area, um, which is called the holy place. And then there was another veil, which puts you in where the Ark of the Covenant was, which is the most holy place. Now, when they entered into the holy place, he talks about the pieces of furniture there. And then he talks about the most holy place where he would go and where the Ark of the Covenant was. And he explains all of this about and gives us this structure or gives us the, the understanding of the furniture in the first five verses. Now he's going to pick up and build on this. And in verse number six, he's going to pick up and begin talking about the tabernacle some more in regards to the sacrifices that took place. Now his point is really going to be made in verses eight, nine, and 10 as he brings this full circle and helps us understand that there is a a parable or what he's going to call a figure. Now, the word figure that we find, if you look uh, in verse number nine, the Bible says, which was a figure. The word 
figure is the uh, the Greek word parabole. Uh, it's where we get our English word for parable. And so I've entitled this particular section, verses 6 to 10, I've called it the parable in the tabernacle. The parable in the tabernacle. And this is absolutely essential, I think, to understanding. It's foundational for what he's going to say later in regards to the Lord Jesus, his sacrifice at Calvary. Again, he's he's setting us up historically with some things. And he's going to tell us today a little bit about the figure or the symbolism, the parable in the tabernacle. Let's look at that. Beginning in verse number six today, I want you to see first off what he talks about first is service in the tabernacle service in the tabernacle. Notice verse six. Now, when these things were thus ordained, that is when all of these pieces of furniture were built, when the structure was finished, when we have the holy place and the most holy place and all the furniture's in place, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. So remember that the priest, uh, all the priests, the Levites, the Aaronic priesthood, they all served in their course. All right. That is each and every person regarding their lineage would serve at a different time in the tabernacle. And what did they do in the tabernacle? Well, they were involved in sacrifices. They were involved in doing the work and service of God uh, as people worshiped, as they approached God through blood sacrifice. Now, one of the things that they did, and, and this is referring in verse number six to the service that they did in that first in that first room. Okay, so when they entered into the actual tabernacle itself, the the actual structure, there were two compartments. There was the holy place, and then the most holy place. In the holy place, where there was the altar of incense, the table of showbread, and the golden candlestick, in there the priests would offer sacrifice, or they would they would serve. That is, they had to uh, trim the wicks and refill the oil. They had to change out the bread. They had to change out the incense and continue to burn it and keep it burning continually. And this was their job. Uh, They were to tend to this on a regular basis. And that's what he's referring to. He's referring to the service that was done in the tabernacle. And the priests were allowed to go in there regularly, as often as they needed, in order to be able to minister before the Lord to make sure that things were running as they were supposed to be running, uh, that the tabernacle itself was was, you know, functioning in the way that God intended for it to function. The light always had to be on, the bread always had to be on the altar, uh, the incense had to be burned. And so that's what he mentions. He says this first room, he's going to notice, he's going to talk about first, all right, uh, when he says in verse uh, number six, he says, now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle. And again, he's talking about that first room, okay, the one, the, the first veil, okay, you went through in order to be able to minister in that holy place where those three pieces of furniture were. Then in verse number seven, he continues and he talks about sacrifice in the tabernacle. So he goes from service to sacrifice. Look at verse number seven. But into the second. Now, what second is he talking about? He's talking about the second veil. He's talking about that second room. The second room of the tabernacle itself would have been known as the most holy place. Or in this passage, he's going to call it the holiest of all. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, according to verse number seven, we're going to find there were some restrictions on when the priests, when the high priest could enter into this particular room. Notice he says, verse seven, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself 
and for the errors of the people. Now, again, he's summating the work that they did. The Day of Atonement, also called Yom Kippur, in this particular text, in verse number seven, that's what he's referring to. There was only one time a year, one day a year, in which the high priest and the high priest alone, not just the normal priests, no regular priest could enter in, in which the high priest entered into the holiest of all, that second room where the Ark of the Covenant was. And you'll notice that when he went in, he did this once, uh, once a year, and the Bible says not without blood, that he always carried blood with him to sacrifice. The high priest would offer a bull for himself and for his family because the high priest had sin and he had to atone for his own sin before he could become a high priest that could offer for the sins of the people. And so the first offering that he would offer was the offering of the bull for himself. And then he would offer a an offering uh, of the blood of a goat and the blood of a goat was then given for the people. And uh, of course, there were two goats, one that was killed, another that was led out into the wilderness. And the one that was killed, the blood that was that was uh, uh, captured there was then sprinkled over the mercy seat, the, which is the again, the top of the Ark of the Covenant for the people. And you'll notice he says in verse number seven, he says, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So in order to be able to atone for sin, in order to be able to deal with sin, he would go in and he would offer the blood of a bull. And then he would offer the blood of a goat, the bull for himself, the goat for the people. And he did this every single year over and over and over again. We're going to find here that one of the things that makes Christ's sacrifice better uh, is because Christ did not have to offer sacrifice yearly. Christ offers a sacrifice once for all. We're going to find that later on in Hebrews chapter number nine. Now, we notice service in the tabernacle. Then he starts talking about sacrifice in the tabernacle on the day of Yom Kippur. And then in verse number eight, he talks about signifying in the tabernacle, signifying in the tabernacle. Look at what he says. Now he's going to start tying things together as to what the first room and the second room represent. The holy place and the most holy place are pictures of something far greater. He says in verse number eight, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. There was a separation between the first room and the second room. That is, there was a restriction. Only the high priest, one day a year, could enter in. Not every priest, not every person could enter in there. Only the high priest. And so what he's saying is, is this is a picture, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, which put these things together. And, and again, who is the author of the word of God, the one who, who put all of these things right, the Holy Ghost signifying and what, what God was saying in putting those two rooms is that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. That when they went into that first room, which they could do regularly, they could not enter into the second room because there was a barrier there. And so there was still a barrier. And this barrier existed for literally thousands of years. And it was the Holy Spirit's way of saying that the way into the presence of God, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made clear. It was not yet, not yet seen, not yet revealed, made manifest. 
It wasn't yet revealed. We don't. We didn't know how to be able to get into the presence of God. How do we come into the presence of God? All of those sacrifices, uh, they did them year after year after year, but none of those sacrifices opened the veil between the holy place and the most holy place. It still was blockaded off. And so he's telling us here in verse number eight that, again, the way into, the way to get into, the way to get to God, the way to get into the most holy place was not yet made clear. It was not yet revealed while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So again, you have these two compartments and these two rooms, and the existence of these two rooms is indicative of the fact that God had not yet made a way for us to be able to enter into the presence of God. Then in verse number nine of our text is he continues moving on talking about signifying. So he's talked about service and sacrifice and signifying. Now in verse number nine, he's going to talk about symbolism and he's going to tie some of these things together a little bit more clearly for us so that we can understand the symbolic nature. The parable really is revealed here in verse number nine. Notice the Bible says verse nine, which was a figure that is, which was a parable, a symbol, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. That is the reason why these two rooms were separated is because the sacrifices that were being made every year, the sacrifices that were being offered were not able to atone for the sins of the people and allow them to be able to regularly come into the presence of God. They weren't really taking care of any sins. You'll notice that the problem was, he says, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him. Here's the, the, the deficiency, the insufficiency of that old covenant that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Uh, couldn't make the priest perfect. Couldn't make, couldn't do anything for him. Couldn't do anything for the high priest when he went in and he offered the sacrifices. It could not help the priest. They could offer it. And notice as pertaining to the conscience, that is, it could not clear man's conscience. That is the work that the old covenant did was merely external. It, it just kind of appeased God for year to year. It, it washed it away on the outside, but it did nothing for the inside. For the interior, the work that God wanted to do inside the heart of man. The new covenant would change all of this. But what he's saying is that it's insufficient. The, the symbolism is here, that first that first room and that second room, that first covenant is a picture of that which was incomplete. The first covenant was a picture of, notice he says, which was a figure for the time then present. That is, there was an expectation of waiting of something, when that veil would be torn, when they would be able to access into the presence of God. But but that was a picture. The, that Those two separate rooms were a picture of the fact that we were still separated from God, and only one time a year could he go in and offer sacrifice. But even still, he had to keep doing it year after year after year. And as he did it, we found and read earlier in the book of Hebrews that one of the, the big issues was the fact that it was a different priest all the time. It wasn't the same high priest. It was a different priest because, uh, again, the high priest would change. After so many years, he would die. He would retire. And so you've got different priests going in, and none of them are able to be made perfect by the sacrifices that they're making. And then he says in verse number 10, he talks about a shift. And again, the whole point here is that we're waiting a new promise we're awaiting a new covenant. There's going to be a shift and a change. 
And this shift and change that's going to take place is one that is is yet to come. That is, the picture of that tabernacle of these two rooms was for that time. But to picture a day when they weren't going to exist, verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances. That is, this old covenant, this old, old way of doing things stood in carnal ordinances, external things fleshly things, physical things. It was meats and drinks and washings and carnal ordinances. Everything was on the outside. And it, and, it, and all it did was take care of things on the outside. And notice he says, imposed on them, notice, notice this, until the time of reformation. Now, the time of reformation, this concept of reformation means also correction, uh, basically fixing, he's shifting. There is a shift that is going to take place where God is going to deal a blow to the Old Testament and the old way of doing things, where the first room and the second room are going to become one room. We're going to find, as we go through this passage, that God's way of signifying that there's still separation is going to be remedied when Jesus dies at Calvary. And there's going to be an opening of that veil between the first room and the second room to signify that Christ's work has made it possible for men now to enter into the presence of God and to have their sins dealt with in a way that they were never dealt with under the Old Testament law. And so as we go through this passage, he's trying to share with us not just the tabernacle, but in this passage, the parable in the tabernacle, the parable and the picture of the first room and the second room and what it represents for us, for, for people uh, who are, are in our sin and how can this be remedied. And then he opens in verse number 11, and we'll pick up here next week, but Christ but Christ. And now we're going to find how Christ's work is different, how Christ opened the way, how Christ made a pot, made it possible for us to enter into the holy place uh, as a result of his death, his burial and resurrection, and the offer of his blood at Calvary. Well, we're so thankful that you've joined us for this Tune Up Tuesday on Wisdom in the Word. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, studying the Bible with us today. We hope that you'll continue with us next week as we pick up in verse number 11, continue to talk about the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you have questions that you'd like to submit for our Thoughtful Thursday, we hope that you'll do so. We'll be answering your questions on Thursday, and we hope that you'll submit those to us so that we can add them to the list and address them as they come up. We're so thankful that you've joined us today. We hope that you'll continue studying with us. And we want to ask you, ask the Lord to give you a wonderful rest of your day wherever you're at. God bless you. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.